Get ready for the Very Visible Business Podcast with David Averin. Each week featuring a candid and raucous conversation with some of the most innovative, outspoken, and entrepreneurial business minds in the world today. This is the Very Visible Business Podcast, and here's David Averin. And welcome to the Very Visible Business Podcast. I am David Averin as the uh, guy who introduced this whole thing, just told you. Today I am thrilled because I'm talking to a great friend, a... Um, how do we describe Jeffrey Gittimer? Jeffrey Gittimer is a no-holds-barred, say-what's-on-his-mind, and for that very reason, he is one of the most popular speakers, authors, consultants, trainers, podcasters on the planet, because you, if you Google the word authenticity and then click images, it's like 14 pages of Jeffrey Gittimer. Oh, cool. Thank you. He is a friend. I am a fan. And um, I'll give you a, before we, we do the official, let me do the official introduction. Then we'll welcome you here. Jeffrey Gears, we'll start over again. Jeffrey Gittimer is the author of 15 best-selling books. He's a creative on the edge writer speaker whose expertise on sales, customer loyalty, and personal development is world renowned. He's known for his presentation seminars, keynote addresses that are funny, insightful, in your face, real world, off the wall, on the money. I know I've been there. I've been in the audience. Um, I love that it's just what's on your mind. You're going to say it. You're going to say it like like it like it's the truth. And whether it's you or or Gary V or others who are doing well because you're saying what's true and you're saying it in the way that that you feel like saying it. He's got a great podcast called Sell or Die with his co-host Jennifer Gluckow. They get over a hundred thousand downloads a month. It's growing. It's one you want to listen to because once again, like on stage, he is no holds barred. Um, great together, both of them. Um, he's also has been inducted into the National Speaker Association Hall of Fame. He's the king of sales, the author of the little red book of selling, the little green book of getting your way, the little black book of connections, the chartreuse book. Of, of <laughs> How to have a good time on the road. Painful right. itching, the shirt, the, uh, Pew's book of kvetching. Yeah. Um, you've seen him everywhere. Jeffrey, thanks for, uh, for taking some time and being on my podcast here today. It's a pleasure, David. Um, I must say that um, the most, one of the most interesting things about what we do is how to be yourself with the other guy. Yeah. You know, that when speakers talk to each other, I am willing to have a conversation with someone who is themselves unwilling to have a conversation with someone who tends to be in their character, if you know what yeah. I mean. Um, well, one of the things I think one of the reasons you and I get along so well is that we are the same on stage, off stage. Yeah. Yes, I, I, I have a little bit of, of the radio voice, but it's, it's, my, it's my actual voice. Um, but you know what, let's have a conversation. You know, a lot of speakers, and they are our friends, they are our colleagues, they are our family, right? But it's a lot of that, well, anyway, enough about me, let's talk about you. What do you think about me? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> let's just talk. So I want to talk. I want to talk about your, about your career. I want to talk about your message. You've got, sure. um, and we'll plug it. You've got a new book coming out January 1st. Some people watch this um, as a video podcast. Some people are listening to it, and you may be listening after, but January 1, 2019, The, the Sales, sales manifesto. manifesto. Tell us about it. Um, I decided that I was pretty pissed off about sales uh, authorities, sales experts telling me how to have my best year ever. And I said, fuck that. I want to have my best decade ever. There you go. And so I wrote this about what's now, what's new and what's next and how to have, how to build yourself to where you're having 10 years worth of great rather than one year and expending everything and trying to recover the next year. 
Right. Now, so, listen, I was going to say for all of us, everything that we've done and every new book, and I've got a new book coming out, is all sort of a, a, a continuous learning and it's built on the foundation of the books before. Yeah. For this new book, tell us what, what's <clears throat> different. You've written so many, the little I black agree. book, green book. What's, what's different? Is this sort of the culmination of everything else? And I'm uh, prolific enough that this isn't your last book. No, that's for sure. Basically, what I'm talking about is um, a way to sell that's different than what you have learned over the past 30 years. Open, probe, present, overcome objections, close, and leave. It's not like that anymore. Uh, you don't have to cold call. You can use LinkedIn. You don't have to talk to people about who you are. They can Google you and find out who you are in nine seconds. And so you don't want to be embarrassed as a salesperson to go into a sales call and lose because you're unprepared. Right. Uh, the book or, is or prepared for, for a wrong scenario, an outdated yeah. scenario. That's correct. So uh, the book starts out by saying, weak salespeople look at quotas and become fearful. Mediocre salespeople look at quotas as a goal. Manifesto salespeople look at quotas and laugh. And that's, that's what you have to have the mindset for in order to be able to go into the next decade of selling. The sure. economy is booming. And if your sales are up, you may erroneously think you had something to do with it. So there's a 10 or 15% boost factor that you have right now that's giving you a false sense of security. Your sales should be up 50% because you have gone out and milked your cows, your present customers, the people that can lead you to the promised land. So this book is about what you need to do now, what you need to do that's new, and what you need to do that's next so that you can have a continuum of business that grows over time. I keep my existing customers, therefore I build a base and I treat them so well that they refer other people to me and that's all you need to know. I don't need to ask for a referral, people will refer me. Right. You know, I, I, I have uh, um, probably the most feared of all people on the planet is an insurance salesperson because nobody wants it. Right. Um, they, they, will, they go to these big insurance conferences every year because they can talk to each other. They're the only people that want to talk to you. And, uh, but my guy, my financial planner guy, I've given him 50 referrals because he's amazing, because he's a service provider, because I never fill anything out, because I, because, 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 and he goes, hey, this just came up and I think you should know about it. Okay, fine. Um, I'm going to this art auction. You want to go with me? Sure. Uh, we're having dinner at, uh, do you want to join us? Sure. This is a person who has become a friend and a mentor not simply an insurance provider. You know, the, 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 but this, this um, resistance to salespeople in general is fairly pervasive. It's almost yeah. cliche. I love that old Woody Allen movie, um, Take the Money and Run. You remember that? He was of course. very farcical. Of course, he's in, he's in prison for something, and he got, in, he got um, punished and had to sit in a hot box with an insurance salesman for six right. years or something <laughs> along those lines, right? But talk to me a little bit about the, the difference between timely and timeless, because we clearly you're not saying that with this new book, everything else that you've written, all the other best no. um, are outdated. There is some timeless wisdom. Everybody knows the little red book of selling. Right. Um, that is Bible for so many in the industry. Also, as an aside, how many of that book have you sold over the years? About 5 million. About 5 million 
copy. A, mil a million that are known in this country, more than a million in this country, and globally, we can't actually attack the number because so many people don't uh, are not truthful about it. If you know what right. I mean. Right, but not, we, but, not but, to mention, I don't want to mention China, India, or Russia by names because it might hurt their feelings. There you go. But they tend to sell more books than they report. Right, as or as they say, copyright means right to copy. Exactly. That said, but but that book, of course, certainly is not outdated. I mean, that is timeless. No. And you've worked to keep that updated. I've, I've been fortunate to be at, at your office and your residence and see how you lay this out in the pictures and the wall. I mean, fascinating process. We can talk about that in a few minutes. Yeah. But what I'm what I'm writing about what I'm writing about in the sales manifesto is what is right now because right. the the sales process evolves and. I, in in the in the little red book, I don't talk about cold calling because 14 years ago I knew it was dead. Right. And but but I also don't say anything about the internet because it wasn't invented yet, right. or no one was really on it to a point where it was meaningful. So I have to talk about the evolution of how do you have a social platform, and is that social platform meaningful, and what's your reputation like? Because somebody can you know right now you don't go to a restaurant, David, without yelping it. And you don't right. go to a hotel without without TripAdvisoring it, and those reputations are up there for them. But really, the customer is also looking for repute on you. I want to know who the hell you are. You walk into my office. You've already Googled me. You've already Googled my company. And shit, absolutely, dude. I'm Googling you, and I'm doing it as you walk in. I'm putting you up on LinkedIn. I'm putting you up on Facebook. Your Twitter. Do you have a podcast? Do you have a blog? Do you have a website? I want to know who you are and I'm going to find that out. And you don't have to sit down anymore and say, let me tell you a little bit about what we do. Like, right. dude, I already know what you do. So what I'm saying in the manifesto is if you don't walk in with ideas, you're going to walk out with nothing. If you don't walk in with questions about the other person that makes them stop and think and respond in terms of you, you're going to walk out with nothing. And if a sales competitor walks in with that information, they will win price notwithstanding. Yeah, well, you know, let's, let's, but let's move upstream a little bit because you got two sure. aspects, right? So one is being in control of what they see because this is not a passive endeavor, right? For those who are going to look you up, you're in control of what's going to be on your social media, what's on your LinkedIn, all of those as well to make sure that at least they can see that you're qualified and competent and preferable in some way. But then, of course, it's, it's being prepared. So it's, it's both aspects because we're all looking up everybody. I, I ask audiences all the time. I said, how many of you, before you make a final hiring decision, look up that candidate? And right, of course. You know, it's 100%, right? It's right. crazy if you don't. But, but it also impacts how we used to sell, right? We talk features and benefits. I can figure that out on my own, right? I can go to a car dealership. I can sit in the parking lot with my cell phone right. and look up the features and benefits and trim packages available and financing yep. options and comparable yep. things. So that whole part of the conversation is, 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 it's not irrelevant and moot. It's already happened, but it just happened without you. It's also a given. Right. Okay, so testimonials have morphed into a new word called social proof. Right. The hotel is more concerned with what you write about them on TripAdvisor than they are on asking you if, if you had a great stay. They, they want to know that you're willing to post about them and do for them so that others will look at it and affirm it. And it's global. You know, if wherever I go in the world to, on a hotel, they're more concerned about what I write about them on TripAdvisor. Oh, absolutely. 
Every well, single I, one. I saw some. I was in, I think it was in Embassy Suites. And, you know, you, now you see the, the signs everywhere. Anything you need, please don't hesitate to ask. Right. right. Thing, of course, is please, God, don't complain about something we didn't have. Give us a chance to fix it. But the smart ones are also saying, um, I've seen restaurants and others saying, if something isn't right, please don't tell TripAdvisor, tell us. Yeah, exactly. Give us a chance. But, but, even your, but the competitors are all dealing with the same dynamic, aren't they? Well, the sign, please like us on Facebook is pretty much over. Yeah. Um, Mary, did, Mary, did we, did we, did we like them? I forget. Did we, no, they don't give a shit about liking you. Right. What they want to do is have enough of an experience to where they have to like you. They go home and they talk about it right. and they go, I mean, you know, so if you're mediocre, you're pretty much out now. And what I'm telling, what I'm telling people in the book is you, that memorable is, is the new mediocre. And you just can't walk it's in and be ordinary. Yeah. yeah, it is the it is the entry fee. So um, I I look at it as a you know what are you doing? Uh, you know I I went to to uh, Tony Alessandra's uh, um, annual meeting last year in January. Nice guy, friend of mine for twenty five years, smart as hell, Jersey. Um, you know, totally gets it, but lives in California and that life loves that lifestyle. So I'm at his place and I'm setting up everything and I'm playing doo-wop music from the fifties because that's my favorite music. And I use it to sort of inspire myself a little bit. And he goes, Hey, that's my favorite song. And so we're talking about, you know, music from the fifties and I go online and I buy the Dion of the Belmonts song. Okay. And I send it to him with a little holder and, you know, I buy the record. And he goes, I just put this in the center of my bookcase. Okay, fine. Now for 20 bucks, Tony Alessandra thinks of me every single time he goes into his office. Every single time. Yep. And that's what finding something personal and doing something memorable is all about. I also talk about in this book, that when I wake up in the morning, I do five things. I read, I write, I prepare, and that causes me to think and create. I've been doing that for 25 years every day. Now, so far, I got 15 books. Most people don't. Most people are world-class experts at the Today Show or the weather or the traffic or some bullshit that means nothing. And well, I can't talk to you yet. I don't have my coffee. Like, dude, you don't need coffee. You need a fucking brain. And, and when, you, when you get your brain back, then coffee becomes pretty much automatic. You know what I mean? I don't need anything. I, I want to do something that helps myself and helps other people. And by sitting down in my chair, which you know exactly where it is. I do know where it is. And I read and I write and, and, I, and I prepare and I think and I create, that helps me become a winner. And so I write, about, that's written about in the, in the manifesto as well, because but I finally, it, I uncovered what I did. Right, but, and, but you wrote it with, with, uh, with an eye towards being a timely book. Is that something that you envision yourself updating two years, three years? Because I look back to even my first business book, um, uh, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. My first edition, I talked about, um, MySpace, 
Yeah. Out, right. And so when I, when I updated, when it sold out a, a, a few, a few printings and I updated it, you know, I just took out MySpace and I changed Paris Hill yeah. to Kim Kardashian. Right. right. All that updated. Right. You know, but, but no, the, I try my best. Um, I'm a big fan of Atlas Shrugged, uh, Ayn Rand, right. Atlas Shrugged. You cannot tell. There's no time references in that book whatsoever. A right. thousand pages and you have no idea when it was written. So I'm cognizant of that as I'm writing, that some things are, are timeless and some things reflect what's happening right now. I have to talk about what's now and I have to talk about social media, even though I know in 10 years it'll be something else. So I basically have written this book for 10 years. You got a, it's a 10 year window. David right. Bowie says you got five years, I'm telling you you got 10 years. And, and if you look at it from that perspective, then I've done my job. You know, you, no one could have predicted Twitter 10 years ago or the, right. you know, the onslaught of Instagram, which now stories are taking over. Instagram stories are taking over. People communicate. Uh, literally, I, I, we have a, a guy that photographed us in Paris for our engagement. Uh, he's called the Paris photographer. He's coming to New York. How did we find out about it? He messaged me on Instagram. Like, seriously, that's our message? But that's how people are communicating now, and they expect that you're on it and you're messaging it out yourself. Right. And, and there's a lot of people who are making a living, whether qualified or not, honestly, saying, here's how to do social media, here's how to do everything else. Yeah. Yours is much more behavioral, and you have been the sales guy forever. Here's a question I think a lot of people have, because you have this massive following, 100,000 downloads a month just for the Sell or Die podcast that you and Jennifer do. Um, but all the books and everything else, it's, you look at sort of that, how do you create enough content? I mean, it's easy to look at bridal magazines. They can publish every month because there's a yeah, whole yeah. crop of brides. But you're talking to a lot of the same people. How do you, and you talk about a little bit about your day, and I think for our listeners and those and our viewers as well, how do you create enough content to be relevant with something new, something interesting, a new take day after day, week after week? I dedicate time to myself to think, but I'm an observer. When I go around the world, wherever I am, I'm looking at all the things that are around me, all the people that do the right thing or the wrong thing. Um, uh, I, I don't want to use this as a throwaway line. I unfortunately have to. Uh, I was 10,000 miles away from being an executive platinum this year, so we flew to Fiji for Thanksgiving. Right. Uh, it's the easiest 20,000. We've all done it. Yeah. But when you get there, the one thing you realize is number one, how nationalistic these people are. They love their place. And number two, they love to serve and they're happy to see you. And so I relived, they have a phrase, they have one word, bula, B U L A. And that's like hello, goodbye pieces, like shalom. Shalom, right. Yeah. But it's, it, it says, have a great day. And welcome to the day is what they're really saying. And they, everyone says it all the time. You walk by somebody, they bully you. They, there's a bula bus that goes from one hotel to the next. Everything that they do is about happiness. Everything that they do is about the joy of being where they are. And David, it's not the most um, progressive society on the planet. It's a, there's a lot of third world that goes on there. There's a lot of people that live in paper houses. And, but yet, 
the there's no crime or no crime to speak of. The philosophy is amazing. They they live to serve, and it's an example. I rejuvenated myself in there with a willingness to serve just by being there for four or five days. So I'm looking at what's going on around me. I'm not simply going, well, I needed R&R. No, no, no. I'm, you, Napoleon Hill says your brain never rests. So even if you're on vacation, you're still paying attention. So but, you, but, but, but let, me, let me ask you, I don't mean to interrupt because this really brings up something for me because I think I've seen others in business and others who've contacted me and probably you as well, who struggle with the idea of saying, how can I come up with a new way to sell? And that's not our philosophy. I mean, my philosophy is I mine my life for, I I, I observe things. As I travel, there's always something that that reminds me of something, or I like how somebody um, interacted, or there's some scenario that there's a lesson. There's a lesson in everything. There's there's always a lesson. So I'm looking at it from the perspective of, number one, I'm going to look at that foundational fundamental things that are my core values. I'm never going to let those go. Sure. I'm a value provider. I'm a helpful person. I, you know, I love what I do. I love my kids. But I'm always looking for something that I can transfer to somebody else. I'm going to give you an example. I'm in Seattle at the, at the market. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the big fish market. Yeah, pike market. Yeah. And I go around. It was the springtime, it's past spring. And I said, oh, I'm going to buy some of those Rainier cherries and walk around and eat them because they're the best cherries in the world. And so I go to this little fruit stand and I go, give me a half a pound of of, uh, Rainier cherries. And the girl like picks them up in her hand, throws them in a bag, a big bag. And she shakes them up and she looks at me and she goes, you sure that's enough? I go, "Uh, give me a pound. And she puts a pound in there and shakes them up and she shows me the same fucking thing and says, (laughs) are you sure that's enough? And I go, all right, give me two pounds. And I walk away and I stop and I go, wait a minute. What did she just do to me? Right. Yeah, brilliant. So, So I walk back and I said, do you do this to everybody? I said, do you do this to everybody? And she goes, yeah, I do. I said, way to go. Like she triples her sales with every sale she makes. Instead of making $3, she makes $10. Come on. That's amazing. And so I learned something after doing this for, I've only been in sales for 40 years, but I learned something. Are you sure that's enough? Is a phenomenal close. And it's just a few words. Are you sure that's enough? Five words. You know, sometimes the, the most brilliant people in, uh, in sales are the ones who are in the most hyper-competitive in market, mar, um, environments, the marketplace. And sometimes it is that open market. I was in, in Manila, in the Philippines. They have something called the Diversoria Marketplace. It's like literally like miles of just booth after booth and crap, yeah. ram shack, you know, shacks and, and, yep. and half them are, se- are selling the same crap. But as aggressive as they have to be, because this is their livelihood. I mean, for all of us, let's be clear. It's food money. This is our livelihood. This is what we do. Right. We do it for food. Right. Um, There's a comedian who who had a line, and and he said, I saw saw a guy standing by the side of the road with a sign that said, we'll work for food. And I'm thinking to myself, isn't that how the rest of us get it? Yeah, exactly. I don't don't mean to make a statement. It was was his line, but it was a good one. Um, But as I'm going through some of these open markets, and I just got back, I was in Oman and Dubai, and I'm heading to India here in a couple of months. I always go 
to the market. Part of it just to look for some local touristy stuff to bring back for my sweetheart. Sure. Kids. But as I watch them sell, and a lot of them is just like, hey, sir, hey, sir, and they try, but the people who are brilliant have different techniques and, and they've got the, sh the shtick down oh, yeah. to engage you, to get you inside. And it's just about, if you can get you inside, they've got you with something. There's something that's going to be worthwhile. But these are great people to learn from. And $10 to them may mean a lot. And Absolutely. to you, it doesn't mean as much. I, I, when I perform a random act of kindness, and I, if I tip somebody at a, a baggage handler guy, 20 bucks, I know that that could possibly impact him. Yep. And it's not going to impact me. I'm not going to lament the loss of $20, but it makes me feel so wonderful that I could possibly get his kid a birthday present, uh, buy them a dinner with the right. wife, you know, something. And we don't know the difference in value. And I'm going to, I'll give you a classic example. Have you been to Havana yet? I have not. Go. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You set your watch back 50 years when you get there, but what happens there is amazing because the people are making 30 bucks a month, a month. There's no, everyone's poor, but there's no crime and no one's begging because the rules of the land are, you can't do that. And they follow the rules. Right. But when you give somebody $10 for driving you around, that's two weeks pay. Think about that. Yep. And so there's a value in what we do and a value in what they perceive as valuable. And so I always want to know what's valuable to the other person. Because if I know what's valuable to them and I know what their motive is for wanting it, I can make a connection with them, whether it's to make a friend or make a sale. Let's talk about that as, as it pertains to salespeople and compensation. Sure. Because you got to be hungry. And, and I talk to a lot of people and, and, and they struggle with uh, other business owners and others. How do I compensate my salespeople? They have enough to live on, but they're not so comfortable that they're not hungry to get out there and work. Uh, a lot of right necessity being the mother of invention, all of the other cliches that come to mind of saying we're going to be better at what we are because we have to. For those of us who don't have a plan B, this is my work. People say, how is it being working at home? You know, and many of us work at home. Um, but it's, I said, you know, they have, you have a hard time concentrating. I'm like, are you kidding? Yeah, it's a way of life. I look at right. this absurd house and my, my high maintenance kids and I get my ass to the office. Right. Because there is no plan B. We're, we're working. We're working every day. Um, let me throw this at you about compensation plans. Compensation plans are ostensibly, how can I make my people uh, go for the carrot and stay here? They want golden handcuffs. Right. So that their company, so that their, their best people will stay loyal and not jump to somebody else. Okay. They're missing the boat. It's, it's not about money. It's about loving what you do and the money just shows up. You know, are you, are, did you write your last book for money, David? Or did you write your last book because it's going to enhance your career, help other people, and lead to some kind of wealth? And so I would challenge every sales leader who's looking at a comp plan, fuck the comp plan until your people love what they do. Until your people love to work with you and for you. Until you have people that are so obsessed with customer service that they can't stand it. And then the comp plan will be acceptable. But a, a guy will go up and go, listen, we've changed the comp plan. You know what that means? Your money's going down. It's not right. going up. 
Right. No um, matter how they try and couch it, that's what's going to happen. So there's a corporate greed involved in this bullshit. And that's what ruins morale. They don't understand that that little bit that they're trying to earn or keep in their pockets is wrecking the morale of the people that are bringing them to the Lou Dobbs show in a limo. Right. You know, well, how'd you get here, Lou? I took a limo. No, Lou. I got here because my salespeople went out and busted their fucking asses to make sales so we could make money. That's how you got here. Yeah. I mean, isn't it though also that it's, it's really a matter of, of becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy? I mean, those people who are, who are really connecting in a great way are going to have the, the best success and that tends to feed itself anyway. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, success, success breeds success, but you have to have the right mental outlook for it. You have to have the right attitude towards it. You have to have a giving soul. You have, there has to be a service heart attached to it. And you have to love what you do. You go back to anybody who is totally successful at what they are, what they, who they become. I guarantee you at the core, they love what they do. Right. But this sort of goes back to Dave Logan's tribal leadership, right? And that, that level three, I think, organization. And, and they're all defined, of course, by the conversation. Level one is, is life sucks street gangs others level two is my life sucks which right. is like people that work for the tsa or whatever else level three is is you suck i'm great and yeah. those tend to be sales organizations yeah right level four is is we're great and level five is life's great and then the sales organizations as he defines it tends to be sort of that level three it's very competitive you know we're against each other who's on the leaderboard is that model still effective today? How is it affected by no, what you're look, talking about in your new book? Realistically, this is what happens. Sales leaders want all of their people to be on a sales team. Sales, pe sales people don't want to be on a team. They want the guy next to them to die so they can have his leads. And that's the dichotomy that exists there. And what you need to do is concentrate on the individual one at a time, and that creates the momentum to move forward, team or not. You can call them whatever you want. It's a tribe, it's a team, it's a bunch of people, it's a gaggle. But the bottom line is, it's each person is fighting for themselves. They're better off learning from one another. They're better off talking to one another about how they overcame this objection, about how they made the sale, about how they did the, And that is what will create the momentum for people to have some camaraderie, but not you know, they have contests. You know who wins a contest? Same guy every time. Right, right. And I'm, and I'm all anti-God because it's one person. Crazy when you have it. And then the other people say, there's no way I'm going to win, so why even compete? And you right. just disincentivize everybody else. Um, they want to make the President's Club. Okay, but we kind of know who's going to make the President's Club. And I think that everybody should be given some kind of an award for what they do so that they have incentive to get the next thing. Like right. if you only did this, you get this. If you did this, you get this. If you did this, this, and this, you get this. So that I'm not claiming it as a millennial thing because everybody gets a participation. No, but, but everybody's competing against themselves instead of, you right. know, Troy who always, you know, wins whatever. But yeah. Look, and, the, and you know what? They fucking hate Troy. Right. They, yeah. they hate them. <laughs> right. And, and the stupid organizations 20 years ago would make Troy the sales manager. You right. know, the old Peter. No, they, and no, they're, they're still doing that. Don't yeah. worry. That, that's just still plentiful. But, but in that vein, do you, do you see, is, is it predominantly organizations still lagging behind? When you talk about the message of your new book, how things have shifted, 
um, how we have to sell differently because some of that basic information is already readily available. We've already Googled it. We've already been able to look it up. And now it's about competitive advantage. Do you see the preponderance of organizations still lagging behind and not getting that? Yes. Um, and, and is that driving the need for Gittimer for what, for what you do? It drives the need because salespeople think, still think that they're invisible. Say more about that. They go into a sales call and don't realize that the customer has done all the research on them. Right. Not the company, not the product, them as a person. And it's startling to me, every audience I go to, within the first 10 minutes, I have them Googling themselves. Put your name in and hit the word return and see what pops up. Some people have never done it before. Like, dude, what could you possibly be thinking? And so the organizations that are advancing are the ones that are saying, hey, you need to build your reputation and you need to build your, your personal brand in order for the customer to, in, the, in, the, in my laws book, I got a full page quote and it says, people want to do business with a somebody, not a nobody. And it's inherent in our society today. You can, you have to have a few thousand followers on everything or you're in trouble. Right. And you have to be offering a value message on a regular basis or you're in trouble. And you have to have some kind of social proof online or you're in trouble. And I'm giving them fundamental elements that they need to be able to do in order to be able to make it happen for themselves. And in the, in the manifesto book, I tell them everything they need as foundational, whether I've repeated it from the red book or the laws book, I want to make sure that they have the understanding of what they need to do in order to be able to get where they want to get. And they want to get to more income, more financial security for themselves and their family, period. Are you also finding that some of the smarter salespeople or marketers or whatever, account exec, executives, whatever we want to call them, are also not only recognizing and cultivating their own online persona so that they know that the people are seeing it, but doing their research before they're walking in. I mean, if yep. for, for, for that, that prospect to be better informed on the salesperson than the salesperson is on the, on the prospects industry and company and accomplishments is insane to me. Can you imagine a sales guy walking in with a pitch that their marketing team gave them versus walking in with two sheets of paper and saying to the CEO of the company, hey, I was checking your website out and there's a couple of things here that I don't understand and I was wondering if you could help me clarify it. Yeah. That's how I'm gonna engage that guy. Or you set up Google, Google News Alerts and say, I understand that this yeah. acquisition has happened in your industry, this people are moving in, how are you yeah. planning on, on dealing exactly. with new dynamic? Right. How are you reacting to it? What's it going to cause internal harmony? And how will that, and can you tie that to something that you're offering? If you can tie it to your offering, you're going to win. If you can't, you're not going to win. There was a, there was a time where people in our industry were, were reluctant, were reticent to come in and give them ideas because they're just going to steal their ideas, whatever. Everything's available everywhere now. I mean, I still see some with the mindset of, well, I need to hold some things back. I'm like, my God, just say everything. Tell them everything that you know because you're in competition with somebody else who will. There are no secrets. That's number one. Number two, um, in the old world of training, and I'm not going to mention any names, but they're a company that specializes in finding the pain. Right. And say, don't, don't spill your candy. 
in other words, don't give them your ideas, don't give them your insight, don't give them, those people are going to rely on price sales. Right. And they're going to bid or they're going to try to quote, close the sale. Right. It's bullshit and it's over. Closing, the, it's not the close, it's the open. How you right. engage that other person is going to determine whether they like you and believe you or not. And if they don't like you and they don't believe you, you're out. Right. It's plain and, and simple. And in this age of pervasive quality right. and abundant selection of everything, it's, I mean, there's so many different ways people couch it. You have three seconds, you have 10 seconds. It doesn't even matter. It's, I, I, I say the, the, my whole opening now with my whole customer experiences is I talk about the greatest source of lost income for your business is the customer or client or prospect that you never knew about. Yeah. They, you know, it's, it's, it's not that loyalty is dead. It's just harder to earn and keep because it's so easy to leave you. Right. Yeah. You don't have five so, seconds. You have a nanosecond. Right. And so if you look at it from a nanosecond perspective, you go, Oh, wait, I only have a nanosecond. What am I going to do with that? And how much can you cram into that nanosecond, whatever it is in order to be credible? There's, there's so many reasons that, that customers leave, that prospects say no. And the primary reason is because they can. Yeah. Oh, they, easily. And if they're satisfied, they're going to go anywhere. If they're an advocate, if they're a loyal advocate, they're going to come back and tell other people. And right. it's, just, it's just that simple. I, and, that, and that's about going farther upstream to make sure that everything you're doing at every point of contact is extraordinary, extraordinary because being really good today is the entry fee. Is it fun to go? And is it fun to go back? And do you tell other people what happened when you were there? Are you in any way looking at it from the perspective of uh, what you need to do in order to be able to be memorable to that person? They remember you. And when you come back, they talk about you. Yep. And am I willing to talk about those things that matter to me or Am I simply uh, put into a situation where I don't say any, I, you know, I tell people they're going to say something great, something good, nothing, something bad or something real bad. Those are the five choices. And that's exactly what you get. And if you're not, if they're not saying something great, you're in trouble for repeat business. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the marketplace will take care of that itself. In a heartbeat. Yeah. Because someone, someone is remarkable. Right. And, and he, I, Right. Either you'll lose them because they won't come back or the internet will out them. Yelp or TripAdvisor, Rotten Tomatoes or Glassdoor or something else. Yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. That's a pretty interesting one. That's a, uh, that's or, a whole other conversation. Hey, listen, I want to respond. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Time. Or Pinocchio. What is that? The How many lives you tell. You know, it's just oh, four Pinocchios, go. three Pinocchios. <laughs> I thought it was a new social platform or something. No, 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 no. It's, a, it's about big noses. We, we know right. about it. Yes, <laughs> you and I both know that. Hey, listen, um, lightning round. Before we go, quick, go. quick questions, quick answers. I know you've got some eclectic collections. Um, my sweetheart and I had, had a wonderful opportunity to come and spend some time with you and Jen. And, um, boy, you have the most remarkable home um, with, with great collections and things that you collect. Tell me something that, that's really cool that you were able to get your hands on recently. Um, I can tell you, I just got it. Uh, the guy who designed my logo, and you can see uh, yeah. the, the crown. Okay, yeah. he, he just gave me a framed print of what he used to decide. Like all of the- All the rejects. That, yeah. Yeah. Like this is what we went through in order to select. And it was, I couldn't have got a better gift. I mean, I just could not have received anything 
that would have meant any more to me than that. Isn't that fun? And, and sometimes, um, and I learned this from my father a long time ago, and he says, you know, the best gifts, don't give them, most people give people things that they like, as opposed to giving them something that they know the other person would like. Yeah. So I had that challenge. And what do you give the man who has everything um, and can get anything? And that, of course, is our, our, our very uh, great and resourceful friend, Jeffrey Gittimer. So after we had had an opportunity, I was actually um, out at an antique place or something, and I saw something very simple, but I thought, okay, I think Jeffrey would love this. And it was that signed copy from Bruce Jenner when he was still Bruce Jenner right. of that book. And I thought, okay, he's going to laugh at this. Yeah. And, um, no, I loved it. I, in fact, I just saw it today. Um, yeah, I'm reviewing some stuff for our, for our interview. And I'm grateful for that. It yeah. was the perfect thing because, number one, not expensive. Number two, I think about you every time I look at it. That's and the most important thing. Isn't that fun? I, I loved your collections. Give, give us a, a sense real quickly for those listening or watching, um, a few of the kinds of categories of things that you collect. Um, I collect things from France, you know, French things, French art, French posters. I collect books, uh, predominantly sales books. That's what's behind me right now. Yeah. But I also collect books on humor. I also collect books on uh, on reading and writing, because I, I want to know what the other person's view. I want to know how Ayn Rand wrote. I want to know how um, uh, Ernest Hemingway wrote. And they all write books on how they write. I'm writing one myself right now on how I write. Right. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a collector of things that I like to look at, whether it's a dish or a piece of art or a book. Uh, I surround myself with crap I like, plain yeah. and simple. And it, you just look up. You can see Laurel and Hardy. I love Laurel and Hardy. Look over, you can see the Three Stooges. I love the Three Stooges. And so I'm, I'm hanging with the shit that I like to look at because it's inspirational to me. And most people put their inspirational things in a safe or in a box and they never look at them. Mine are hanging out. Yeah. And, go, so, and you, have that, you have that wonderful place in the restored old warehouse in yeah. multiple units side by side. It's loved every minute of it. Um, next question of all your books. If you had to choose one, here's your Sophie's Choice moment. Who's, your, who's, your, who's the baby? What's the uh, one that's your? I would select the Napoleon Hill book from 1939, How to Sell Your Way Through Life. Uh, it's the best sales book ever written. It's his insightfulness beyond think and grow rich. And it talks to salespeople about how to connect on a human basis and how to be a human. Outstanding. Okay, now I'm going to ask the same thing. Um, which is your favorite grandchild? No, I'm no, no bad question. <laughs> Yeah. What's, answer the best, what's the best thing about being a, a grandfather? Well, early on, before my grandchildren matured, when they cried, you could give them back to their mother. <laughs> that, was like, that was like the best thing you could do. But the best thing about being a grandfather is being able to pass down wisdom. And I try my best to, like, I, I take Gabrielle, my daughter, to Paris every year. And now I'm taking one granddaughter every year so that they can kind of show up and hang out. I've taken two so far. Um, and this year we took the one who's a vegetarian vegan and you know, try to find vegan food in, in Paris, but we did it. And I actually let them go out on their own and walk around so that they got the full experience of the adventure of being in a, a foreign place and having, you know, give them a bunch of euros and you know, stick it in your pockets so and nobody sees it, but if God forbid, something happens or you need something you can buy it but the bottom line is they came back with all the money all the time that's great and remind me you is it all girls yeah all girls 
So I take granddaughters, all granddaughters, all daughters. Um, when my, when my, when my nine-year-old daughter goes to the mall with my 10-year-old granddaughter, um, they pal around and they try to get the clerk to say, are you sisters? And when they get the question, my granddaughter will point to my, my daughter and say, no, this is my aunt. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and, and that's the way they have fun with one another. They love each other. They have a great relationship with one another. I couldn't say grace over it anymore, literally. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it the best? It's one of the things I wanted to bring it up just because I, I like to humanize the guests as well. And we had a, a wonderful opportunity not only share a meal but share some great conversation. Yeah, and, I'm unfortunately I'm unfortunately a human. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, listen, to all of us. How can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about you and your books? Hire you to speak. You're a Hall of Fame speaker as well. How do they do that? Um, the easiest thing to do: listen to our podcast, Sell or Die. Subscribe if you want to, and give us a five star rating. We'll read it online. And we'll read it on the air and go to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. That's all you need to do. You'll find everything that I do right there. And once again, the new book is? Uh, the new book is The Sales Manifesto and Truthful Living by Napoleon Hill and Jeffrey Gittimer. Those two books will put hair on your chest and put money in your wallet. Outstanding. Hey, what a, what a thrill. What a pleasure. It's always great to catch up. We can do it online. We can do it offline. Yep. I look forward to seeing you uh, around the block as well. Um, once again, subscribe to this podcast as well. Go to Gittimer and, and subscribe to the Seller Die podcast. Uh, we are on C-Suite Radio. We are on iTunes and everywhere else. And uh, keep checking back because we have some fascinating people that we interview from time to time. And, um, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. For past and future episodes, be sure to subscribe at theverryvisiblebusiness.com. You can also learn more about David Averin's keynote speaking and consulting at visibilityinternational.com. Connect with us on social media and check out David Averin's latest book, Visibility Marketing at amazon.com. This has been the Very Visible Business Podcast with David Averin. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.